This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Regulators. You regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good, too. But you can't be any geek off the street. Gotta be handy with the steal if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulators! Mauna! It was a clear black night. I want to start the show the way that I know uh, my good compatriot here, Dr. Eric Noble, would. And that is ball in, ball out. Feels right. Dr. E, what's up? <laughs> It's a hoop ball presentation. It's a hoop ball presentation. Good morning your, to you. It's your favorite Lakers podcast. Welcome back, folks. <laughs> What's happening, everybody? Uh, I'm Dan Vespers. He is Dr. Eric Noble. Live from his office. Or should I not have said that? Is that going to get you in trouble? <laughs> probably. Yeah, I should well, probably be focusing on treating patients rather li- than talking about basketball and <laughs> men throwing a ball in a in a rim live not from his office definitely someplace besides his office is where the show is happening right now yeah uh i'm at i'm in my room which is basically where all of my pods take place next to my unmade bed uh and we're getting back into the groove here eli's been in paris for a while he's still out that away uh, eli, eli hit me up yesterday because he was trying to watch the lakers on the dark web <laughs> And he asked me how to do it. And so I, I tried to instruct him via text. And when he clicked on the link, I oh, think no. something popped up that he had a virus. <laughs> and then he, he freaked out. He said, France has made me a coward. So I closed it immediately. <laughs> but I think it turns out like what was he was something popped up that was like trying to have him install a virus protection thing which oh. i think was the virus itself yeah so it was a good thing that he that he buckled and closed the window i've seen those things they that's yeah. uh, that's how they get you so i don't know how you did it you're you're like three steps ahead of the rest of us you play with fire when you try to go on the dark web yeah <laughs> how's your boy duck yeah, he's helpful. That's good. I, I would I would not be watching any of these games otherwise. I am uh, a sad recipient of Spectrum slash Time Warner cable, so I actually just get to watch the games on television. 
it's the it's the one good thing that comes from that very painful relationship. Uh, so let's dig right in. We've got a lot of stuff going on. We have had uh, a week's worth, actually, of Laker games since the last podcast. It's been kind of a mixed bag overall. We uh, we recorded our last show right after a nice road victory over the Dallas Mavericks, and then the team started getting hurt again. The Lakers went into Memphis without Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. Uh, I think didn't Larry Nance hurt his hip partway through that game, and Kyle Kuzma hurt his finger partway through that game. That stuff all carried over into the Oklahoma City game where the Lakers lost KCP halfway through. And then luckily the team came back home where apparently they just don't even need anybody really besides Jordan Clarkson to be healthy. And they rattled off a couple of victories back at Staples Center. A 2-2 two and two stretch, Eric, which really considering all the guys that were out for the team, not that bad. Not that bad. Um the first two games, I really don't have much of anything to say. Uh, the Grizzlies <laughs> game, I remember I turned it on, and I literally had no idea anybody who was on the floor. The, the Grizzlies, there was like no one who was recognizable. And on our team, there was a new guy, Gary, yeah. <laughs> Gary Payton II. <laughs> That's right. He played a Frank dozen minutes Payton's in that grandson. game. grandson. That's right. That's right. I forgot about, our, I forgot about Gary's father, Frank. Uh, yeah. Yeah, GP2 got in there. I mean, it's this... When when Lonzo's out, the Lakers are obviously scrambling for point guard work, and we're gonna get to your boy, the great Caruso, shortly. So I guess, excited to talk about the great Caruso. Actually, wait, maybe we should just go that way, and we can almost we work. Should just, yeah. yeah, screw okay. screw the Grizzlies and Thunder game. Let's just get into Pacers they, Knicks they, when the great Caruso <laughs> just took over. The great Caruso really was his namesake. He played thirty minutes against the Knicks. Had nine points, four boards, eight assists, two steals, a three-pointer, four out of six shooting, hyper-efficient. Caruso actually played 28 minutes in the previous game and just kind of, kind of didn't make a bunch of mistakes, which I, I guess over a guy like Tyler Ennis was a step in the right direction. Uh, you know, I mean, you're right, though, in talking about those first two games, and then we'll loop back to Caruso. The Grizzlies game in Memphis was almost the exact same game as the Grizzlies game in L.A., and the Thunder game in Oklahoma was the exact same game as the Thunder game in Los Angeles. Well, I guess the exception that Paul George wasn't that great in Oklahoma. It was basically just like Steven Adams twirling his mustache and dunking on the Lakers repeatedly. I, I, I don't know if there's anything really to take away from those games. A shorthanded team got beat on the road. Yeah, they were two duds. Let's move on. Yeah, two duds. So a 500-week uh, capped by back-to-back wins here going into what should be a ridiculous game tomorrow, Tuesday night. That's the Lakers hosting the Celtics, who are fresh off a loss to the Orlando Magic. Luckily, they'll be pissed. That's exactly what the Lakers needed. Uh, but it was really nice to see the Lakers getting contributions from like non-Brandon Ingrams and non-Lonzo Balls. This was, this was fun. They played great defense against the Indiana Pacers, who went to this weird, like, just give it to Oladipo and don't even bother trying to get anybody else incorporated offense. And that's beautiful because the Lakers do have some guys that can guard people. Uh, And then the Knicks just, I mean, they shot 54%, so it wasn't like the defense was that great. But uh, Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle combined for 56, 18, and 15. And uh, the the trade block duo was ready to roll. These These were fun. I like these games. These were fun games. I think before these two victories, we were Owen. I don't even know, maybe seven or something without Lonzo. Yeah, I, I don't know the exact number, but 
the the cool thing about these last two games, it looked like a style of play when Lonzo is on the floor. We are playing really good defense, which just jumpstarts our transition offense. Got a lot of fast break points. Um, it was really good energy, and the, and the passing was really good. So usually the things that Lonzo helps with is you know the defense, passing, and fast breaks, and somehow we were able to bring all of those elements without him on the floor. Yeah, this this Knicks game, the Lakers had 31 assists, which was uh, awesome. 23. And six, six turnovers. Yeah, only six turnovers. I was about to say the assist-to-turnover ratio for the team was 5-1. to one. It was better than that for the three main cogs, which <laughs> I'm going to say these names and it's going to feel funny. Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle, and Alex Caruso combined for 23 assists and three turnovers, so almost 8-1, to one, the ratio there. Caruso, infinite. Eight assists, no turnovers in this game. Can we talk for like 10 minutes about the great Caruso? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Part part of it is going to be, all right, I'm going to give you a question, Dan. Okay. Caruso or Ennis? Who are you taking? Oh, it's Caruso. It's got to be. Really? Given, given the the whole body of work over the season and preseason, you're taking Caruso over I'm, Ennis. I'm taking Caruso because he's doing the things that you just mentioned. He's making the right passes where Tyler Ennis gets into that kind of like head down and drive mentality, which is sort of not what the Lakers need, especially from a guy who's not that skilled offensively. I mean, yes, athletically, he is more gifted than Alex Caruso, who I don't... Dan, Does actually, did you see Caruso's dunk against the Pacers? Okay, yeah, that's true. I de- <laughs> you're, you're 100% that, right. That came out of nowhere, and the bench went crazy. I went crazy. Dude got... Up, I don't even I don't know where that came from, but somehow white men can't jump. Was dude yeah. just he <laughs> threw down a hammer? It was amazing. That was amazing. Uh, my wife was bathing my child at the time in the the bathroom just off our master bedroom, and my my scream from the main bedroom frightened both of them. I could hear my kid reply in the tub. Uh, that actually that dunk shut down the United States government. I don't know if you know that. That happened almost simultaneously. It had nothing to do with Trump. It was the great Caruso. It was the great Caruso. How he performs his tricks, he will not reveal. That was that was awesome. That was uh, also like the only shot he took in that whole game, too. Well, that was also preceded by a great no look trailer pass to Nance on a on the fast break a few plays before that. He had a he had just a a few really nice uh, nice things there. Yeah, you thought that pass was better than the Jordan Clarkson uh, attempt to serve dinner pass. (laughs) (laughs) I I think so. I take it over. That was that in the Indiana game also. I don't remember. Oh, well, you know the one I'm talking about, right? Where he tried to throw yeah. it up to Nance, who it like clanged off the backboard at 100 <laughs> miles an hour. And Larry somehow like he caught it with two fingers behind his head and just threw it back up towards the rim and it went in. It was the greatest uh, serving of, of partial dinner. It was like the vegetable on the side of the dinner tray was served in that one. But you know what? A win is a win. Uh, I just I don't know. I'm I'm like I love the fact that Alex Caruso is out there with no inclination to shoot the basketball. Because apparently that's exactly what the Lakers need out of their point guard, is a kind of a taller point guard who can maybe... I mean, not like Caruso's staying in front of his man all that well, but he's doing a better job than Ennis is on that front. And just make passes without making a bunch of mistakes. It's remarkable. I talk about the baseball side of this, Eric, and I know you're a pretty good baseball fan too. It's remarkable how many games a team can win if you just don't make a bunch of errors, right? Just don't do stupid stuff and you can win. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Caruso, I mean, you, you said not his shot, but he he really has good form. He makes he I, I like the way it comes off his hand when he shoots a three pointer. Um you know, comparing Caruso and Ennis, it's you know, it's tough. I don't want to take too much of a hot take after like <laughs> yeah, go. two two fun games. Maximum uh, hot take. Come on, go all the <laughs> go full hot take. But but it just according to the eye test, Caruso just looks he's a lot more fun to watch than Ennis, and he just seems to like have a much better feel of the game. Yeah. I agree. Um, it feels so, like doesn't it feel kind of like the game is happening a little bit slower for Caruso than Ennis? Like the game exactly. is almost too fast for Tyler. He just gets going and he can't stop himself. And he actually didn't play all that poorly in the Indiana game. Ennis didn't. He just he's not he's not really the right fit for the guys around. I don't know. It, Eric, do you think it would make any difference if they flip flopped who was starting? Like which unit the two guys were in? Would Tyler Ennis maybe make more sense? with the the kind of ragtag bench unit where it's like just get it and go i don't think so i mean ennis like eli's already mentioned it he just doesn't look like he really fits belongs in the nba i know that's tough um and i you know i don't i don't dislike ennis i think he's i think he's fine um and again i don't want to make too quick of a judgment about caruso but 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 the eye test, he just looks to see. I feel like there's more upside, more potential with Caruso. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think the the vision is probably where one gets a, a big leg up over the other because neither one of them is that skilled offensively. Uh, Caruso probably is it safe to say maybe a tiny bit better rebounder just because he's taller. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> neither neither seemed that good. I don't think. No, <laughs> stood out to me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, uh, either one of them obviously is just right now a replacement deal. Uh, but we don't really know what's going on with Lonzo Ball. He's got a knee thing. He's basically doubtful. Uh, it doesn't sound like he's any closer now than he was. You know, like a game or two back. So they're gonna have to figure out a way to win without him. And kudos, they have. They beat a couple of. I mean, Indiana's not a terrible team. They're a middling Eastern Conference team. So are the Knicks. These are games you should win if you're the Lakers, and they did. That's nice. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I mean, I don't know what's going on with Lonzo. Uh, it, it sounds like he might miss this whole upcoming road trip, mm. even after the the Celtics game. So I don't know what's up with that. But uh, yeah, Caruso. Caruso. <laughs> I mean, he, he also has a fantastic name, nickname, and he's just like a balding young white guy. Yeah, he's 35 it's, it's years great. old. There's no question in my mind. I know you guys are telling what, me he's like 23, but I don't believe you. What's there not to like about the great Caruso? He His hairline is pretty amazing. I mean, he's that guy. Didn't we all kind of know that dude? My hairline is like that now, but I'm also in my mid-30s now. Uh didn't we all kind of know that one guy who was like 22 and already didn't have any hair? And you just were like, oh, man, like shave that thing. Do something. Yeah. Do something. Just just lean into it at some point, right? That's how did you guys come up with the nickname the Great Caruso back at at, uh, at Summer League, right? That that was you two, you and Eli. <laughs> no, I, I I wish we could take credit for that. I don't know. I think Stu Lance coined the did he Great really? Caruso. I'm not positive though. Was that I like? Wish, I wish it was me and Eli. It was in the middle of an of an episode of Law and Order SVU. I, I think so. Yeah, there was an evil villain named the Great Caruso. And Stu, a little um, light bulb flicked on over his head, and he was like, "Hey, we've got a we've got a kid named Caruso." I just I just assumed it was you guys because nobody else has said anything about him in three months. 
Well, I don't know. Maybe it's Eli, and I'm not giving him credit. <laughs> but the thing is, with yeah, you're right. With every other guy, like when it's going, just go all in and shave your head. Yeah. For some reason, though, I actually kind of like it with Caruso. <laughs> it just like kind of looks weird. He, he like has this funny mustache too. I don't mind it. Have you seen? Keep, Evan, keep holding. Keep holding on to it, Alex. Have you seen Evan Fournier's hair on the Magic lately? No, I that's an, that's well, a, they they have like an all star team of hair with Alfred Payton. Oh, his hair is the crazy looking like the weekend. Yeah. What in the world? How do you? How does the hair even hold in that position? It has to be pretty dense to. Oh my goodness! Like, I couldn't. Yeah, well, I, no prayer. What's up over with here. Evan Fournier? Uh, Evan Fournier's hair is starting to get a little Caruso-y, and he is not leaning into it much the way that our boy, the great Caruso, isn't. If you look at Evan Fournier's hair last year when he had it in the little, uh, like the the samurai rat tail thing, and he had really good coverage, and if you look at his hair this year, you start to see like key areas where it's just not there anymore. Uh, it's um, it's not it's not good. It's not good. We should, he, he, we well, should create an all historical NBA team of just like ridiculous yeah, cover ups. I'm writing of going that down. Bald. I'm writing that there one down. Be, <laughs> yeah, I mean, all... we need to get Eli back. He'll he'll have some great thoughts. But there, you know, Carlos Boozer's on there. Manu Ginobili had a few years where it was just it was gone, and he was holding on to it. <laughs> even Le, even LeBron. LeBron, yeah, the headband. The the headband receding hairline move. Yeah, all NBA hair team. We're, that's going to be one of our things on a future episode. You can you can count that bad boy. Uh, the other stuff from the two victories, um, the good stuff, I guess, if we want to keep down that path, Jordan Clarkson has been just insane on the offensive side. He has 59 points in those two wins. He has 17 assists in those two wins. He has 13 rebounds. He's been a man on a mission. He's been the ball handler, frankly, that the team needed until the great Caruso showed up. Uh, and he's he's carrying the offensive load, but he's also the guy that seems most likely to get traded on this team. What is How does that strike you? Listen, he's been out of his mind the last two games. He is just balling. Uh, he's, but But that's the thing with Clarkson. I mean, I'm not going to get overexcited about these two games i think it shows that like when he has the freedom he can do like he can have explosive games but he doesn't strike me as like a systems guy and i think to be a consistently winning team and for us to get to the next level where we want to go we need more of like a systems guy and he's just seems more like a freewheeling like you know he just like he went out of his mind because he was just like hooping that's what he said. I was just hooping. Um, but that's not going to get us to where we want to go in the long term. What do you think about Larry Nance in these two games also? I know I, I know the logical next guy there was Julius Randle, but it feels like Nance uh, with, with Kuzma dealing with an injury to basically every finger on his hand all of a sudden. Uh, Larry's looked really good. All the energy stuff is, has been like exactly what the doctor ordered. Nance is a systems guy, and I, I really I like him, and I want us to hold on to him. I think he... He does so many of the little things. His hustle is fantastic. Also, his shot was is interesting. There are a few guys that their shot looks so different when they're thinking shot first versus pass first. Mm. Larry Nance's shot looks incredibly different when he's when he gets a pass and he just shoots it immediately without thinking about it. It looks 
you know it's going in. He looks so confident. It looks smooth. But when he gets the ball and he hesitates and he's thinking pass first, it, it, it looks like a totally different stroke. I think I know. That? I think I know the exact play that's running through your head right now, and I don't remember exactly. I feel it was like midway through the third quarter of the Knicks game, where he was involved in a in kind of a pick and pop, and he got the pass and just fired immediately from. And it was like an eighteen footer. It wasn't just a little nothing shot, and it was it was pure. It was beautiful. And in that moment, I think like you, I said, "Why doesn't this guy shoot?" Like, yeah, and I, I like it when he's when he thinks shoot first. I got a stat for you, Dan. Okay. When Nance gets in double digits, do you know our record? I'm guessing it's pretty good. Ten and five, man. Well, there you go. So he needs to be involved, that's, and he needs to be aggressive, think, though, because some of that's on him, and some of it's on everybody else. Exactly. I think he needs to be a little bit more aggressive, a little more shot first, because he has a nice shot when he when he when he just goes for it confidently. Yeah, and I know uh, this is like I'm gonna dabble in sacrilege for a moment on on the podcast again you're listening to ball in ball out the official pod lakers podcast at hoop ball i'm at dan Bespers, eric not on social media uh kyle kuzma who i know is dealing with some finger stuff but his defense still has a long way to go and that's kind of frustrating because i get that the the development thing is a big deal and so you don't necessarily just want to put Larry Nance out there because offensively Kuzma is, is vastly superior. But in, in games like the Indiana game where things got ugly and you really needed to be able to defend or the Knicks game where they were shooting a ridiculous clip and something needed to try to slow them down a little bit, th- those are those moments where you're like, okay, well, we maybe we kind of need to have Larry Nance out there to go guard somebody. Have you seen any progress from Kuzma on the defensive side I I just feel like he's kind of getting beat up by bigger dudes right now yeah to be honest I haven't paid a whole lot of attention I think he is maybe just a little overmatched uh I do see him sometimes when someone has him on the block and he just like looks like he's getting out physicaled but I, I think especially on Sunday with the Knicks game there was just something in the air there was something in the building everyone was hitting shots uh, I think the Knicks were shooting like 65% up until like the fourth quarter. Actually, did you see that? Uh, so every break between the third and fourth quarter, they have the half court shot. Oh, yeah. Some dude hit it. Dude hit it for 100K. There was something in the air. Everyone was just making shots yesterday. That was that's amazing. Mandalay, right? Aren't they on the hook for $100,000? Yeah. That's crazy. Wow, that's fantastic! That's good a, for that guy. Yeah, good for that guy. Is right. That was I. I saw Twitter go crazy because they didn't. They didn't show it on the the uh, the spectrum feed, or maybe they showed it after the fact. But yeah, that was. Uh, that's true. Everybody was hitting shots. I don't know. I just I was thinking about a play in. in I think it was in the Knicks game when it was Nance and Kuzma was the front court, and uh, Kuzma tried to block Kristaps Porzingis, which is just like, come on! If you if you were paying attention at all during the pregame meeting. I'm sure someone was like, don't even bother. The dude is 7'3". He's taller. He's longer. If he's going to hit it, he's just going to hit it. Try to, put a, try to put a hand right up to his mouth and you know mess with his concentration a little bit. And I saw Nance come over and kind of grab Kuzma. And you could see very clearly, and I'm not a mouth reader, at least not very good. The, he said the words, you can't block that. <laughs> And then kind of walked away. And I was like, that's why that's why I like Larry Nance. Because he's out there and he's like the he's running the defense. He's telling everybody where they need to be. 
And all right, I'm going to I'm going to go over to Brooke Lopez for a minute who who even with Kuzma not playing really only saw 15 minutes in this game. Uh have you seen I this is to me the most dejected that I've seen any Laker in and it's been bad for 5 years. This is like the shoulder slump Sometimes on offense, he's like yelling at three of the other four guys on the floor to where they're supposed to be. Uh, he just looks like, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it, he he needs to embrace this sort of like coach on the floor kind of thing. And it's really hard because he's not as old as some of the other dudes in the NBA. And I'm sure he feels like he's got a lot left in the tank, but there's just sort of no place for him right now. It, it is sad. Brooke looks... Brooke looks very lost and dejected. You're right, but he de- he has been making a lot of threes recently over the last few games, and his his stroke looks good. He looks confident, but other than that, there's not a whole lot going on. Yeah, I just God, I hate the I hate the body language. If you're gonna help the young guys, try to stay positive a little bit. He's just like pointing and yelling all the time because nobody's where they're supposed to be with yeah. KCP and Lonzo and Ingram and Kuzma and all these guys hurt. You've got this like. I mean, half of these dudes out there that are are coming in from God knows where. I mean, Gary Payton's gone already. Dude named Nigel Hayes played a minute yesterday. I, I'm pretty sure that he was like a British politician in the late 18th century. Uh, <laughs> of the Whig Party. Yeah, he was a Whig Party member. Um, I don't know. I just, I, 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 I wish that there was more for him to do, but it just, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like there is. Okay. While, while, while we're on the beef segment, I'm, g- I'm going to get to Randall. But before that, you mentioned like trying to block a guy like Porzingis. It's just impossible. And and the thought is, yeah, get in his face. You know, put a hand in his face. Don't try to block it. I think go even lower. The the ball tap really works. Just do a light little brush on his balls, <laughs> and that really affects the shot a lot more. I know that because I used to always play one on one with our dear friend Nick, who's like six eight, and he shoots from a way above his head. There was never any way I was ever going to block it, so I just decided to get a little bit more creative. And, <laughs> That's uh, out of the the John Stockton Jeff Hornacek playbook, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not yeah. proud of it, but it made him always think twice. Keep the bows out and uh, and aim low. That's uh, okay. Yeah. So I, if, if going high doesn't work, go low. Go low. Uh, but with with Randall, just real quick. Yeah, uh, he's a horrible passer. Oh my goodness. Yeah, um, no vision. Really frustrating to me. There's so many times when he drives, he beats his guy, he gets the attention of a help defender, and someone is wide open. And he just doesn't either either see them or he just refuses to pass. And uh, I really dislike it. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was thinking that the Indiana side in that game was basically doing the same thing on every play where it was like Oladipo and the Lakers were playing, were, were giving him, and rightfully so, a ton of attention because he's been awesome this year. And he would either uh, take a, a contested shot which generally wasn't the best. He only you know, he took 26 shots in that game. Uh, or it was like Demonis Sabonis head down going straight toward the bucket. I thought the Pacers missed like at least 10 very easy. Pa- there were there were probably five times without exaggerating too much. There were five times that I saw Thad Young unguarded standing right at the edge of the key and they never hit him. And I just thought, okay, well, that's fine. I mean, if they don't want to pass the ball... This is going to be a nice, easy win for the Lakers, and sure enough, Indiana shot thirty-eight percent. And but you're right, though. I mean, it happened on 
It happened on the Lakers' side as well, where uh, Randall gets these advantages, but it almost feels like he's getting ready to topple over sometimes, and it's like, all right, well, you know what? Either he's got to raise up and just throw it towards the rim, or he's going to lose the ball out of bounds. But it's also why I liked what Caruso did in the Knicks game so much. It's kind of this that that balance there where when he got into the key and as soon as somebody started to come towards him, he was like, all right, somebody move, I'll hit you. And he had that nice little, very simple, almost a handoff to a cutting Corey Brewer for a wide open layup. It's those little things where instead of doing something dumb, you do something smart and it, it's almost like a four-point swing because the opposition ends up having to take the ball out from under the basket. You can set your defense. Uh, it's how you get on runs and it's why those those silly plays where you know somebody's falling out of bounds and they clang it off the underside of the rim, it, it generally leads to points for the other team. So I'm with you 100%. I'm doubling down on your beef. But I think you and I both, Eric, have one bigger beef than any of these other beefs combined. <laughs> We're getting beefed up. We're getting fully beefed for the 2-for-14 free throw showing against the Indiana Pacers. I mean, it's a, it's a season-long thing, obviously, but it's the first time in 40 years that a team has won a game shooting under 20% from the free throw line on more than 10 attempts. Leave it to the Lakers, yeah. baby. <laughs> Now, now it's just it's it's gone past sad. It's gone past ridiculous. Now it's just funny. That's hilarious. Now, now it's just something for us to be proud of. Yeah, because we did something nobody else could do. They won <laughs> yeah. while literally just giving ten points away. It was like a betting line. Here, you have ten points. We still beat you, and they did. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Oh man, they still um, and they were still bad against the Knicks. It was still like seventy-one percent in that game, which is you know not good, uh, but obviously not. 14 <laughs> percent yeah you would think we would come back the next game and shoot like 13 or 15 but no we 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 matched our like season average yeah 68 percent but i've been reading up on like what what the coaching staff is doing to address this issue uh it's not really reassuring <laughs> it sounds like luke had a few quotes uh in the news where he's like you know we've tried really addressing it and talking about it and focusing on it. Then we've tried not talking about it. Uh, now we're, you know, we're trying meditation now. Um, it just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't reassure me. Uh, because one, I think that's, that's one of the issues with, if we're going to have any beef with the coaching uh, performance this season, it's, it's that inconsistency. I think, uh, you need to have like a steady hand. You have to like decide what you're going to do and just go down that road and kind of switching up the plans from like week to week, month to month is, is just confusing. And I think that that is particularly true for, for this free throw issue so as you, well. So you don't like the shotgun approach. I'm just no, like, no. just firing I a think, whole bunch of rounds and see, hopefully one of them hits. I think in general, well, first of all, the meditation thing to like, Assume so they're getting this guy Andy Puttacombe. Have you heard of him? He's the the founder of Headspace, the app. Uh, I don't. I don't actually. Who? So what's Headspace? Yeah, Headspace is like this meditation mindfulness app that's that's big, and he's the founder. And basically, you know, all these Fortune 500 companies and teams get him to like teach mindfulness meditation. Uh, and so I guess Luke hired him. They had a, a meditation session a month ago. And now they're going to bring him back to to help them with free throws. Um, 
Uh, I got, yeah, I got a lot to say about that. I, I don't think doing like mindfulness for 25 minutes once a month is going to fix, fix this issue. So is that just like a situation where you either need to dive in head first or don't do it at all? And this is like just dipping your toe in the water and that's not going to make a difference? Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, I think there's this 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 is a whole trend in in America at large about mindfulness like it's this this craze that mindfulness is going to fix every woe like if you if you meditate you're going to be happier you're going to be less anxious you're going to be more relaxed you're going to sleep better you're going to be wealthier um <laughs> yeah which nothing like sitting and thinking to generate cash <laughs> exactly but it, but these are the claims that are that are being made about mindfulness which is funny because it's just the complete opposite uh, message of of Buddhism and meditation in general, which is like, do not crave things. <laughs> do not try to get better at things. Just instead of being judgmental about what this situation is, just embrace what it is. Um, and don't try to like change or, or crave things. Um, so, well, that, that's just me being on a soapbox after my seven day retreat. <laughs> I was about to say, you did that a- thinking that I'm now a guru. Uh, well, you taught so, us. Well, you taught us about the dukkha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's that's a side note. I I I think we just need to let this issue be for the rest of the season because I think the more we focus on it, the more pressure. I don't think practicing free throws more is going to help us. I know, like DeAndre Jordan, like people who are bad at free throws, the more they practice, actually, the worse they get. So that's like um, almost like picking at a scab a little bit. Exactly. I think we just need to wait till the off season, and then guys can really focus on it. Then I think we just need to to let it be for now. How did do we know? Because like DeAndre Jordan actually is a little bit better this year, and Andre Drummond is a little better this year, and freaking even smaller name guys like Bismack Biombo suddenly went from a fifty percent foul shooter to like seventy percent. Is it because they're just like not the the rule NBA rules are changed so that they're not going to get hacked anymore and they're, maybe they're just less worried about it so is it a stress related thing no so i was actually reading up preparing for this on on what andre drummond has done he worked with this guy i forget his name his last name's like raven or something some israeli guy um but he he worked on it a ton i mean he he did a ton this off season but what they said is they they didn't really do 400 hours of just free throw shooting. They just put in thousands of work making him a better NBA player. But it sounds like he did do like a lot of mental work and mindfulness with free throw shooting. But but again, it he had the time to really dive into it over the off season. You're not going to be able to do that during the season. You're just going to make things worse. So uh, the impression I'm getting, and then you can tell me if I'm reading this right or wrong, is that. Uh, like being a for one you need you need time that one that one you made very clear and in the nba season you've got like a practice one or two practices a week and that's just sort of not enough to change your outlook on on the universe uh but two getting to the free throw line and shooting this shot is really less about you know uh, trying to shoot a million of them or changing your form in some way as opposed to maybe just getting to the line and not being all that concerned with the outcome? Like you just put it up and it's like, hey, what happens happens here and, and maybe that takes the pressure off? Dan, you just turned my word salad into coherent statements. Thank you. No, I was trying to I was trying to get it like dumb enough for my <laughs> little brain to handle because while you were out 
uh, meditating and learning how to be mindful of others, I was not. <laughs> I am. I remain not mindful of the people around me. I'm fairly. No, I perceptive. think you're exactly right. You, you. I mean, for things in general and sports in general, you focus on the process and not the outcome. And the more that you like try to make free throws or practice making them or like talk about making them or talk about how crappy the percentage is and what we're going to do to improve it. You're, it's all outcome oriented. And I think what Andre Drummond did this off season is just like broke it down really to the process. And then the outcomes are going to speak for themselves, but you can't focus on that. Hmm. All right. Well, that, uh, that's our hope. Something uh, maybe maybe not paying attention to it this year will actually help even before the season ends. But you know that ain't going to happen, not while they're shooting two for 14. Somebody's definitely going to be talking about it. Uh, and we probably will, too. But I'm inclined to agree with you. Uh, Dr. Eric Noble breaking out the prescription pad on the end of today's pod. Not bad. Actually, I think they should all just get into a sensory deprivation tank, which I did this weekend with our friend Neil. Oh, one of the, is it one of those water float things? Yeah, the float lab, exactly. I think the Lakers should just get into that for the free throw issue. We had a deal with, uh, we had a, a sponsorship with a float lab up in Bakersfield when I was working for that minor league team where the players the, could go the float. The had a sponsorship yeah. with the float lab? It was That's called absurd. like, what was it? It was like seven, there, the number seven was in it somewhere. So we did something seventh inning stretch related. I'm always, I'm weirded out by those rooms. I feel like, and, and I don't want to get too disgusting on the pod, but I feel like people can go in there and do pretty gross stuff if they wanted to, and I don't really want to, I don't want to follow them. And I know they drain the water and they bring it back in, but I want that damn room autoclaved before I'm touching any part of it. That sounds disgusting. Yeah, if you think about it too much, it's not pleasant. I mean, they do do like all this like advanced UV filtration according to their like literature, but yeah, <laughs> so that's, it's uh, that's like they, you someone, don't want... someone leaves the room and they just put a black light on the water and then you hop in the same stuff. No, thank, thank you. you for a Actively ruining my my weekend experience. <laughs> yeah, how are you feeling today? Are you feeling good and clean? <laughs> oh man, yeah, I couldn't do it. I, I know that apparently it's really relaxing. Do you feel relaxed, or you did before I talked to you? <laughs> no, it it was a very relaxing thing. I mean, there uh, it's like meditation in general. I mean, there there are some times when you get uncomfortable or you have like a something that doesn't feel right in your body. It it can become the most miserable experience. Neil actually like had this air bubble in his ear and he said it was like the worst oh. 30 minute segment of his <laughs> life being in the float lab. Uh, for me, it was, it was very pleasant. Can I, can I tell uh, you very quickly my one experience with meditation before I know you got to go? Yeah, go okay. for it. So it was 2001. So we're going way back 17 years ago, almost Almost to the day, actually. It was like 17 years, maybe within a month. And uh, it was freshman year of college. And 9-11 had just had recently happened. So I guess it was, I guess it was like October, probably, of, of 2011. Um, and all the airports had shut down. I, my, originally, I was going to be flying back to Los Angeles over... I think it was like the high holidays or something to see my, my long-distance girlfriend at the time. And all the flights got got canceled. So I, I met these random dudes at a, at a cafeteria on the Berkeley campus who offered to drive me to Los Angeles. And uh, they turned out to be um, earthy crunchy, I think is probably the kind, <laughs> kind way to... So like we took, we took Subway from Berkeley to uh, 
uh, somewhere. I don't even remember where we stopped. And like the dude's cousin picked us up in this like late 80s Toyota sedan and <laughs> knocked down a bunch of traffic cones as we were changing lanes on the freeway. And we went to their house and had like leftover chow mein and some sort of like wheatgrass thing. And, and like the whole time, you know, this is a process that obviously by flight, Northern California, Southern is a one hour flight. If that it's like 45 minutes in the air and we're at least four hours in and we haven't even gotten past San Jose yet. So I'm starting to freak out. Then we start the actual drive home and we hit some traffic in this weird little area in the middle of no place. It's highway 152. It cuts across parts of Northern California. And the guys were just like, you know what? Traffic. Screw it. We pulled off the road, and they just started walking on foot, like, into these weird hills off the side of the road in the middle of no place. And they told me to come along and join them for meditation. And, uh, yeah, I was unable to meditate because I was way too stressed. And it became this weird negative feedback loop because the meditation is supposed to help with the stress, but I was too stressed to meditate. I took the car keys from them, and I drove the rest of the way, like 115 miles an hour to Los Angeles. We made really good time with me behind the wheel, and I haven't meditated since. So that was my, my very poor... I mean, there are a lot of details of that story I can't tell on this on the podcast. But, but that's, that's either the best or worst introduction yeah, to meditation. So that story is amazing. Don't do what I did. Uh, I'll tell you the full version off air. Uh, Dr. Eric Noble, <laughs> you got patience to see. Yeah, I have someone in the waiting room. <laughs> he is, he's Dr. N. I am Dan Vasperis. This is Ball In, Ball Out, Lakers podcast, a hoop ball presentation. We'll be back with you later this week. Chat at you one more time. So long, everybody. This has been a HoopBall presentation. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.